millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to episode three of Rule the Roost. Um, we're here today with Jack Lang, um, who is ESPN's Brazilian correspondent. Um, so we're going to be learning all about our dealings in the, uh, the South American territory today. Um, hello, Jack. How's it going? Hi. Uh, yeah, very well, thanks. Okay, so um, just tell us a little bit about yourself then, I guess, first of all. Not, not in a job interview way, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> sure, well, I've been, uh, I've been writing about... Brazilian football for probably about three, three, four years now. Um, started off just just blogging about it, but I've been doing bits and bits and bobs, like I said, for ESPN, for the Mirror, for the Guardian. So I'm, uh, yeah, quite excited about the prospect of of one of your signings recently, as I'm, I'm sure we're about to discuss. Yeah, well, I think yeah, I think the the excitement is palatable amongst myself <laughs> and Raj as well. So. Uh, yeah, it'll be, it'll be a good one, I think. Um, I mean, why Brazil in particular? Just just out of interest, what what drew you to it? Aside for the amazing standard of football, of course. Yeah, well, funnily enough, I'd never really I'd never really watched Brazilian football growing up. I quite always a fan of Italian football, a bit of French football, but um, got a girlfriend who's from Brazil, and of course, if you're a football fan and you discover another country, you're always going to discover the football of that country. So I kind of uh, got into it, started watching it, and never looked back. Really, it's a really, really exciting league to watch. Quality isn't always the best, I have to admit, but in terms of interest and you know funny stories, young players coming through, it's uh, it's certainly certainly offers something a nice alternative to to the European leagues. It's funny you, you say that about the quality. I mean, I, I've always been in, intrigued by that because I, I can't say I'm an avid viewer of Brazilian football. But mm. what with so many high quality players coming out of the Brazilian leagues, I, I often wonder, like, you know, does it mean that like the Brazilian league is just absolutely incredible that we've got this ridiculous European bias that makes us think, you know, the Champions League is the highest standard of football in the world, so on and so forth. But obviously not. I'm guessing if you're, if yeah, I think. I mean, it's it's an enjoyable league to watch in that in that there are a lot of talented individuals and obviously a lot of young players coming through now. Now as well, increasingly, there's a lot of kind of older players who a lot of European fans would recognise doing doing a really great job there, like Sador, Ronaldinho. But it's held back, I think, by by a couple of things. Firstly, because um, there's a real short termism to it. So if we think things are bad in Europe with managers getting sacked on a whim. <laughs> we haven't seen nothing compared to out there. They they can really a manager can go after two bad results, for example. It's it's really cutthroat. And the other thing is probably related to that is that there's a lot of kind of kind of negative defensive tactics. So because managers are so worried about how how their employment will will pan out if they lose a couple of matches, you often see managers that are more focused on not losing than they are winning. So there's a lot of kind of just kind of drudgery in midfield, a lot of kind of def- bruising defensive midfielders. So yeah, it's strange. It's a lot. Of, it's bright spots among among a fairly a fairly bleak picture sometimes. It's 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 interesting you say that about the the European players. I saw uh, Sadov's goal that he scored the other night. It was absolute absolute cracker. It's good to see he still got that uh, got that in his locker actually. For yeah, he's he's having a great time out there. He's. Um, I think it's it's just turned a year since he moved out there, and he's just just really just won over the hearts and souls of the people out there. Not not just on the field, he's been he's been really good for Botafogo, but off the field as well. He's just kind of I'm sure he's always had it really, but he's really played up to this kind of gentleman of the game image, like giving nice interviews, laughing off any controversy. Um, a couple of times, even sung a cappella on Brazilian TV on like 
on kind of housewives midday shows, which is kind of strange for us, but they absolutely love him out there. It's great. Much like yourself, Sadoff got involved through his missus, didn't he? Isn't she yeah, Brazilian? that's right. She's she's Brazilian, and I think he um he's got some charity interests out there, which is the same as um that was one of Deco's reasons for going out. There. He's got a, a big charity set up. Uh, but yeah, Sadoff, I think well the first day he got out there for his fr- first press conference, he was speaking fluent Brazilian Portuguese. Really? So yeah, I mean, I'm sure everyone knew his wife was uh, was Brazilian, but. Everyone was just taken aback by by how awesome he was, and he's just he just really turned into a, a star over there. It's amazing because he's always seemed like when he's been like a World Cup correspondent um, with the BBC and things, he's always seemed like a particularly kind of erudite, mm. clever chap. You know, so it's, it's, you you can imagine him sort of going over there and being a real kind of ambassador, I guess. For yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah, one of a- Brazil's David Beckham. <laughs> yeah, I could say that. <laughs> So how does it work then, Jack? I mean, do you do you live in Brazil or do you fly back and forth? Or uh, no, I live in I live in London. I've, so I kind of go out there. I've been four four times. Normally, spend try and spend a few weeks or a month out there each year. Obviously, next summer is is unmissable. Yeah, uh, but yeah, that so it involves watching a lot of matches at stupid hours on really dodgy internet connections. Which is not always the best, but on the uh, on the plus side, the Brazilian version of the BBC is is amazing in terms of putting up highlights. So you can't miss a minute of the action just just if you're watching highlights and trying to trying to keep up with it. Um, so yeah, it's it's a bit of a juggling act, but it's worth it. And I can imagine if you don't have to endure Shearer and Lawrenceson as well, it must be uh, a well, exactly. Right here. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I guess if we were to put a Tottenham spin on things at the moment, I mean, how is a club like Tottenham viewed in in Brazil? I guess if you know, are they are they well known? I mean, how is the Premier League as as a as an entity viewed out there? Is it mainly kind of Arsenal, Chelsea, Man United, or yeah? The, well, the Premier League is is huge. I think. I mean, it's huge everywhere you go these days. I guess, but it's. Since there's kind of been a, a slight increase in the number of Brazilians there, maybe in the last three, four, five years, there's I think the interest levels increased. You see a lot of a lot of Premier League shirts on the beaches out there, just people walking down the streets. Like you say, I think it. I think a lot of it is focused on Manchester United, Chelsea, a little bit of Arsenal. Spurs obviously didn't do themselves any harm signing Sandro mm. three three years ago. Was that three or four? So that kind of that kind of woke people up to them. I mean, I'm sorry to Herelia Gomez, but that didn't really put them on the map. <laughs> that particular transfer, but, um, yeah. So, so Tottenham they're they're kind of seen as this slightly slightly dark horses, really. I mean, people, if you ask people to name three Premier League clubs, I'm not sure Tottenham would be would be among the ones they named. But this Paulinho thing is is certainly going to and spurs a lot of you fans because Pauline Pauline is a very popular player over there and there's been a lot of interviews in the last couple of weeks since he signed him saying you know people questioning really people saying oh you know could you not have gone for a for a Champions League club perhaps and he's saying he's been very very good about it he said look Tottenham are the club that showed a lot of interest me it's a big club uh, going places so I think if people listen to what he's saying, if they're certainly going to be watching very closely in the in the year before the World Cup. I think Tottenham could could earn quite a few new fans over the next year. That's interesting. Cause, I mean, it's uh, I hate to play into this this idea that lots of other fans will rib us about that you know one man team and so on and so forth. But I do wonder how much of a part of Gareth Bale's presence played in the transfer as well, because I was discussing with my girlfriend before that you know us getting Paulini, it didn't seem to makes sense to me in the respect that, you know, he was this guy that's kind of been touted around quite a lot. You know, he was focused on heavily in the Confederations Cup and there was talk of maybe Inter or Real and stuff going for him, at which point I thought, all right, well, this is going to turn into another one like Oscar, for example, Mm -hmm. that we were maybe sort of linked to, but then is, of course, going to go on and play for one of these powerhouse teams. But he pulled through and I think he mentioned, didn't he, at, at the start that he... Yeah, wanted to make sure that we were keeping hold of players like Bale. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I agree with you. I think it's a real a real coup for you. I think he's a player. 
Inter was was the team he'd been most heavily linked with, but you know a couple of other Italian sides had, had been had their names in the mix. It always seemed likely that he'd go to Italy, um, which I don't you know I don't think would have been the best move. I think he's I think he's very well suited to the Premier League actually. But I think what what Tottenham did well they they set out their their stall early. You made a real concerted effort to to show your interest, put a bid in even before the kind of like Confederations Cup fanfare, which was good. Um, and I think a lot of other teams, maybe not the, the Spanish and Italian teams, but maybe the Premier League teams were put off by the ownership situations. So he was his ownership was split, as often players' ownerships are in Brazil, which makes things a little bit complicated. I think obviously Spurs were were willing to see past that and see what is still a really good value deal because this is probably going to be one of the best central midfielders in the world over the next over the next five years I would say that's nice to, that's nice to hear isn't it um, I mean not too bad yeah I mean, what would you say that because I mean we've heard these kind of tacit references to him being similar to Frank Lampard and this mm. kind of thing um, I mean what I've kind of gathered from him because I'll be honest I, I didn't know an awful lot about him before the Confederations Cup other than that I quite enjoy playing with him in FIFA, which I know is, is pretty pathetic, but you know, there you go. Um, but he's, yeah, he struck me as almost what Jermaine Genus should have been in that kind of a real combative, full of energy, back and forwards, can pick a pass, can shoot. Um, it didn't really strike me as being that similar to Frank Lampard, to be honest. Not saying Frank Lampard isn't a great player, loath mm-hmm. as I am to admit it, but I don't know. I mean, I, how would you see him working at Spurs, Polinio? Um Well, just on the Lampard thing, I think people are making that comparison because he's he's got that knack that Lampard ha- annoyingly has of just arriving, you know, on the edge of the box just when the ball is deflected back or cut back to him. So that's a skill they certainly share. But I don't think he's not as as much of as an attacking midfielder as Lampard. He's more of a, kind of a real all rounder. So he'll be. He'll be probably starting from deeper than you're used to Lampard playing. He'll be, you know, he'll be arriving in the box. He's really good in the air, which is something you'll you'll probably benefit from. So you might expect Bale and Lennon to whip a few more crosses in this season with someone of his kind of power in there. Especially if you, you know, if you get someone like Ben Teke as well, it's going to be cross central at, at West at White Hart Lane this season. Um, uh, I think he probably would be best in a in a midfield three. I would say probably I can I can see when Sandro's fit, Sandro kind of anchoring, and then maybe Dembele and and Paulinho just a, a bit further ahead. I mean Paulinho he, he's a good passer. He, he's no playmaker. He won't be, you know, he won't be spraying the ball around like like maybe Luka Modric did a few years ago. He'll just be kind of. He's almost almost the kind of player you don't notice until he until he pops up in the box, which is which is a great thing in my view. So he's kind of he's powerful without being a real bruiser. He's a good runner without being, you know, one of these guys like uh, maybe Ramirez who just kind of seems more of a runner than a footballer. Really, um, he's just he's just kind of ticks all the boxes in my view, and I, I think he's probably gonna. I imagine he'll surprise people with with just how good he is. Dare I say it almost sounds reminiscent of Patrick Vieira, maybe? Yeah, there's, I mean, I'm, I think he's a little bit more, uh, yeah, Vieira's a strange one because he, he's, he was probably harder than he, than his physique would have, would have led you believe. Mm. So Vieira maybe didn't, didn't look like a hard man, but really followed that through. Paulinho's not, you know, he's not as lanky and he's probably a bit more heavily built. But he's, I think he's certainly got the, the ability to have that kind of influence. I think he'll be a really, really important player for you. I mean, how would you would like to see him played, Raj, in particular? Because I know you've, you've got your kind of uh, your thoughts on our, on our midfield and how it would play out. Um, well, the way I see our midfield is uh, the way the manager wants to play, essentially, is as fluid as possible. And the, from what I've seen him in, Admittedly, the all I saw of him was the Confederations Cup mainly, and when they played uh, Corinthians played Chelsea in the the World Club Cup, um, he scored in that one. I think um, is that you can play several different positions. So I think he'd be equally as happy playing alongside Sandro in say a a four two three one and bombing on and being his partner 
in terms of being the one that has the the license to then carry the ball forward because he seems fairly comfortable with the ball at his feet. Um, but as you say, quite rightly, the the switch to a four three three seems fairly natural now with a player like that, um, especially with Dembele and Sandro. Um, Sandro can can shoulder that defensive weight in front of the the back four as he's shown before his injury this season, and then a front three with Bale and a another striker, and then Aaron Lennon hopefully would be would be perfect. Um, and it's it's something that has worked in the Premier League in the past. I remember. Mourinho's first Chelsea team was a four-three-three. Um, it's slightly less rigid and slightly probably allows a team onto you a bit more than a the four-two-three one we've played this season has. But it it's easily adaptable, and I think that's that's the key for AVB. He wants to have a squad and he wants to have the players available that can can change a system and can change the way it's playing mid-game, and that's how he's how his managerial approach would change a game and win a game through tactics rather than hope or alternatively Gareth Bale, which it has been most times this season. So just, just on a physical basis as well, like on a, uh, that midfield trio is, that's quite some force really, you know, like it's, it's, it's intimidating for any opposition, I'd say. De- what Dembele, Sandro and Polini, I'm saying, yeah. Yeah, they, they would, they're all about six foot tall. They're all, broad and well built they would quite comfortably run through quite a few midfields themselves I think I mean I can't picture too many better starting midfields in the Premier League um, all the other players are fairly diminutive as well um, which they're not I'd agree with that I, I'd struggle to name a better central midfield in, in the league than that I think maybe Man City might have might have something going with, with Fernandinho and uh, yeah, yeah, Torre, but I think those three, like you say, would just be, if I was lining up opposite those three, I'd, I'd be shaking in my boots at the, at the first whistle. I think at the same time, though, if I was lining up against those three, I'd probably be happy knowing I was earning about 100 grand a week, though, as well. So, <laughs> True. yeah. Um, it's funny you mentioned that about uh, Fernandinho. Um, we've had a question from one of our listeners, a chap called James Bremner who has said, I'd be interested in knowing whether Polinio really is better than Fernandinho, uh, as he keeps him out of the Brazil side and was, of course, £13 million cheaper. Are they similar? Um, just to address the money thing first, I mean, there's absolutely no doubt that you've got the the better deal, both in terms of like value for the player you're getting I, I would say that Paulinho is a better player than, than Fernandinho. Certainly has the potential to be to go further than Fernandinho, uh, and he's younger. He's you know he's I think he's five five years younger. So I think you've you've got the best deal from a from a monetary point of view. Um, Fernandinho sounds like Daniel Levy. Yeah, it does. <laughs> Fernandinho is you know he's a good player. He's he's got Champions League experience, something which Man City were. You know, with the kind of money they've got, they can afford to bring in a player who's who's ready-made for the situations they want to be in. So, if you know, looking at someone to bring in to be ready for that competition straight away, probably Fernandinho, you know, is a reasonable option for them. And I think he's a very good player. He's very kind of gives the team a lot of impetus. I think he's probably a little bit more mobile than than Paulinho is. Um, probably because of his experience, he's probably used to being maybe a bit more, you know, a bit more of a leader. Perhaps he's quite was quite a leader for Shakhtar, but I think Paulinho Paulinho has a better goal threat for me. Paulinho is more sturdy physically. I think he's I think he's a stronger player. Um, and yeah, I mean, there's a reason why why one of them's a nailed on the start of Brazil and one of them isn't. I think. Uh, Fernandinho has had a couple of chances for Brazil in the last, um, I don't know, three, four years. He's had a couple of starts, a couple of substitute appearances, and he's been good, but nothing special. Whereas, whereas Paulinho, I think you'd have to drag him kicking and screaming out of that lineup for the for the World Cup now. Can you see Sandro making the making the cut for the World Cup based on how his form was before the injury? Of course, and that's a bit of a redundant question, but yeah, um, well, I'm. Uh, a big fan of Sandro's as well. I, I like, I mean, he's in a way he's quite an old fashioned player and that it's not when you pick Sandro, you're not kind of looking for a player who can, 
you know, be a defence midfielder and a deep playmaker. You're just <laughs> picking someone who is going to absolutely mess mess shit up. Let's say. <laughs> uh, and I couldn't put it better myself. <laughs> yeah, I, I really like that. I think I think that's great. So he's not, you know, let's not kid ourselves. He's not spraying the ball around no. and he's not scoring loads of goals. But what he does is just give that protection that I, I don't think a lot of players give nowadays. He's just absolutely enormous, very athletic for a big man. Um, and I don't think there is that kind of player in the Brazilian squad. I mean, the guy who's partnering Paulinho in the Confederations Cup, Luis Gustavo, is is a nice player because he plays it very simple. Um, he's certainly nowhere near as, as physically imposing as Sandro. And the other kind of natural defensive midfielder in the squad is is a guy called Fernando who is playing for Grêmio. He's just moved to Jacques Dardanets to replace replace Fernandinho. Um, and he's an okay player. I don't think he's. Uh, I don't think he would have been picked if some of the players that you know you, you associate with that position had been firing. And I think Sandra is one of those. So, I think if Sandra returns to full form and full fitness, he could probably he could probably definitely kind of claw his way back into that squad. Probably not as a starter to start to begin with, simply because Paulinho and Luis Gustavo did so well together in that tournament. But certainly as as an option as of a more kind of just a purer defensive midfielder, I think he's certainly got a chance. I think he's a lot of people in Brazil really like him as well. I suppose as well, given the fact that they're hopefully going to be playing together a lot this season, it's it's only going to do Sandro the world of good as well, having Paulinho playing beside him when he's trying to stake a World Cup. Perhaps. As long as they perform well together, like, yeah. they're a car crash, they're not. Yeah. I think the, the thing I love about Sandro is he just seems to genuinely love playing football. He's one of those players that just seems so enthusiastic every time he's on the pitch. And mm. like, I, I don't know if you saw um, last season when we were playing Chelsea at home, um, when the ball was you know, kind of running out of, running out of play and he didn't really have time to get there. So literally just threw himself on the floor and stopped the ball going out with his face. Like the ball just hit him straight in the face. And then he managed to get up and just start running up the pitch of it again. Like it, it, it's just, yeah, it was fantastic. It was one of those moments where I think <laughs> there's a, there's a good picture of AVB who was at then that time, the Chelsea manager must've been two years ago now then bloody hell. Um, and Harry Redknapp all along the technical kind of, <laughs> Sidings, watching him doing it, just aghast as he's lying <laughs> on the floor with a ball rolling into his face. Like it was, yeah, it was a good one. <laughs> um, I mean, one um, one of our actual contributors to the Spurs Statman site, um, Steve, has asked as well. Um, how long do you think it will take Polinia to adapt to English football? Um, I can't see him being one of those players who takes who takes a year to adapt. I think he's. I think what what plays to his advantage is that he's he's actually had a spell already in Europe, which is you've probably read this in the kind of in the reports recently. He had a, a spell in Poland and Lithuania, mm. which um, you know, so he's, it, that's not the normal path of a footballer, and he he's admitted himself that that really didn't go very well for him. Um, what it has meant is that since then he's. He's very mature for his age. Like I don't think he's a player that will be phased by a lot. He um, he's kind of a stoical guy. Keeps very quiet. Not very flashy at all. Really, just just focuses on his football. So I think you know there won't be you won't be looking at an Anderson figure. For- yeah, that's what I was going to bring up the 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 fact that someone coming from a country like that, the the size and the likes of moving to somewhere like London can get on top of people. I think where well aware of that at Tottenham with South American players in the past like Giovanni De Santos coming and apparently being more at home in a nightclub than they are on the training field so it's good to hear that he's he's got a good head on his shoulders because I think um, somebody else that talks a lot about Brazilian football, um, Tim Vickery who works for the BBC, he often talks about when you're buying a player talking rather than buying a player you, when you're buying from Brazil you've got to buy the man as well so for example, like Rubinho, when he came, he was hit and miss on and off the field as well. So, and Anderson, as you say, is, is the same. You've got to, you've got to uh, research the man, and you know what his personality is as well as 
um, his playing playing style because he could be Maradona, but if he's well, if he behaves like Maradona off the pitch as well, then he, he may not be the smartest investment. It's, it's, That's right. Yeah, it's definitely good to see the the tide changing, as it were, though, because you know I think growing up watching football, at least in in my lifetime, I've always been used to seeing Brazilians essentially playing on the continent and never really in the in the UK, but that does seem to be changing. I mean, players like Oscar, like he's just gone from strength to strength. Like some of the games at the end of last season, he just looked absolutely phenomenal for Chelsea. Uh As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. And he was someone that I think people were almost expecting was going to be a long-term project for Chelsea, but I, I can't claim to be an expert on Chelsea and how they set their stall out, but I can't imagine they were um, yeah, going to be as reliant on him as they seem to be by the end of the year. Yeah, I think that's right. I, I mean, one of the things is just that the kind of, there was always a kind of taboo about the the Premier League being so physical and kind of, there was a, like people would, would, be scared at the prospect of bringing kind of these these supposedly fragile South American players over um, because oh you know this is the the rough and tumble of the Premier League it's not like, you know it's not Copacabana Beach over here mate all that yeah. kind of nonsense and I'm I'm really pleased to see that kind of myth is being is being debunked because these players are are really suited to the Premier League I feel the Brazilian league is is a fairly physical league. Um, tactics uh, are probably fairly similar and what the brazilian players do offer is they you know they come at an age where they can be they can be molded into the kind of players that that managers want i mean that doesn't always work <laughs> going back to anderson being turned into a horrible defensive midfielder so that you know it, it does work both ways but oscar is i mean he plays further forward at chelsea than than he did a lot of the time in in Brazil, so a lot of people were expecting him to be kind of this kind of all-round midfielder. Maybe he, maybe he is a little bit too slight to play in that position in England, so he's been been pushed a bit further forward. But it's just just worked really nicely, and I think I think we're probably going to see a lot more Brazilians coming over here in the next few years because of these examples. Coming over here, and nicking our jobs, eh? No, standard. He doesn't write for the Daily Mail. I don't think so. He's not going to be coming home. Okay, that's all right then. Um, <laughs> so I guess, well, moving forwards, I mean, all, all I can say is I'm really excited about seeing Polinia playing for Spurs, and even if we don't sign a striker, which I hope we do, I think we can at least be happy knowing we've made a real investment on a you know, genuine, world class player, as as mm. it seems to be. Um, I mean, if we are kind of moving forwards, I guess, towards that striker. Um, it would be a pertinent point to raise Leandro Diamal, um and what seems to be going on, because from my perspective, it, you know, Spurs have got this partnership, whatever it means, with Internacional. Mm. Um, it seemed two years ago or so, Leandro was 
bang on. He was lined up to be playing for Spurs. That you know, once the season had finished in Brazil, he was going to be coming over. Mm-hmm. And then it just seemed to fall to pieces. And now it just seems completely non-existent, even to the level whereby Southampton have been apparently linked with genuine interest in him. I mean, can you shed any light on it at all for us, Jack? Uh, yeah, I think I think there's there's two things here. Firstly, is that. Well, firstly, I don't think you should be too worried about him slipping through your fingers because in the last, let's say, probably probably the last 12 months, maybe even 18 months, he's, in a sense, he's been exposed as, as not quite the, the world-class potential that, that people thought he was. I mean, this is a player who was, until the age of, I think, maybe even 17, 18, was playing like park football, glorified park football in kind of dodgy pitch, pitches, not even semi-professionally. He was spotted and, and quickly made his kind of ascent into the international first team, did really well as as like a young boy, um, carried that on for, for a year or so, scoring a lot of goals. But then kind of just, I think the fact that he didn't go through any formal training has kind of caught up with him because he was always very very raw he's a powerful player kind of good in the air but you know he's not the best with the ball on the deck and that kind of that kind of thing you normally expect to kind of develop naturally over time if if a player has had the proper training but because he missed that big chunk of of what a young professional footballer normally goes through people were kind of doubting whether that whether that was even in him if it was something which maybe would never develop. He'd always be this very raw, very kind of just like naturalistic striker, uh, which is which is good. It's not always a bad thing. It means that he, he's he got very good instincts and he, he will score goals. But in a league like the Premier League, when defences are increasingly savvy, I think he might, he might struggle to to, you know, find a way to score when he's being physically repelled. Um, another thing is he's he's just been really struggling with injuries since the since the Olympics when he did really well. He's I think he's had two or three injuries. He's not been a regular in the in the international side as much as he'd like. They've had to kind of find find ways around his absence. So they've they've got Diego Forlan, who's who's obviously a great player who should be his partner, but they've been forced to use uh, two or three other guys. In his place, just because he's just because he's struggling to get fit. So, I would, you know, obviously there's there's a bit of disappointment that this player who you saw a year and a half ago, who, who looked a real talent, didn't didn't end up signing. Um, and I'm not, you know, I don't know the ins, ins and outs of of that deal or how it didn't come to pass. But what I would say is, he's the kind of player it might be worth worth waiting another season or two just to see if he really is gonna going to turn into a player because he could easily be a guy that peaks at 20 years old and, and never quite hits the heights in which case you'll have saved yourself 20 million pounds he's, he's still highly thought of in Brazil though isn't he I mean Ronaldo's had a few quotes about him when he was asked I think who's the new Ronaldo he um he said if I had to pick anyone it'd be him so he's, he, he seems to have some sort of buzz about him within yeah, his, own, his own league it's a strange one because I mean, he's he's certainly a player of talent, and you can see, in terms of that comparison to Ronaldo, he's got the same kind of leggy, leggy physicality to him that Ronaldo maybe had at that age before he switched to Europe. But whereas Ronaldo also had, you know, a lot of close control and ball skills, I'm not sure that that Damiel has that technical ability. So he might find that, you know, the older he gets, the the less joy he has against against good defenders. Um, and he, he also benefits from the fact that there aren't a lot of top quality strikers in in Brazil at the moment. So, on his current form, he shouldn't be he shouldn't really be anywhere near the the national team. But because I mean, Fred Fred went really well in the Confederations Cup, and I, I, I imagine Fred will be first choice come come the World Cup. I mean, apart from him, that's it's it's an absolute mess. Alexandre Pato is scored two goals the other day, but hadn't scored for 10 matches before that. He's been playing quite poorly since moving moving to Corinthians. Damian has been struggling with injury. Uh, Luis Fabiano is probably, I think he's probably received more red cards than he's scored goals <laughs> this season. He's having a, having a terrible time. 
And there's apart from those four guys, Adriano. Adriano's doing really well. Have you seen? Have you seen him? He seems to be enjoying himself. Um, yeah, Adriano. He, yeah. hasn't played football for for fifteen months or something. He's been eating for fifteen months though. That's he's, um. He's good at chips, is Adriano. He's so, been yeah, eating a lot. If he if he had as many goals on his uh, CV recently as he had chins, then uh, <laughs> I think he'd be. Uh, yeah, I mean it's. He's More a funny one because, like you say, if he'd have been anywhere near fitness, he he could easily have been Brazil's kind of talisman, talisman for this this period in tech. So this kind this kind of vacuum means that Damião is is still in with a decent chance of making the World Cup squad. Um, and I think you know he, he could still be he could still be a good signing for someone, but I think it's it's a case of wait and see for now. I was just going to say, almost sounds to me like he would have done well under Harry Redknapp, who had that very naturalistic approach, that kind of go on, mm. son, play to your strengths, do what you do yeah. best. Whereas someone that's got this very scientific approach, like Villas Boas, maybe not. I don't know from what you say uh, at least. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Well, you have made him like go from signing like the next best things in sliced bread to a. Brazilian equivalent of Grant Holt, so quite a few people <laughs> won't be as keen to to sign him as they are now. I don't think after hearing that analysis of his of his ability, it's it's quite refreshing to hear that at the same time because you know if you take a look into the Twitter sphere, at least the the Spurs side of it, you know you get every day people why isn't you know Damiao been signed yet? Levy's so tight, he's this, he's that, and you kind of have to think, well, you know we've got a few scouts out there. We've got a good partnership going on with International. Well, I say a good mm. partnership, some sort of partnership. <laughs> I'm sure we are kind of scouting him and the player we were maybe going to buy at one point, probably, you know, there's a reason why we haven't signed him now, um, other than just money, given it. I think at one point we were nearly in line to spend about 17 million, weren't we? And it was just third party yeah. ownership. Um, I mean, also telling is the fact that well, you've been dallying. I mean, there haven't been other clubs lining up to to snap him up, have there? I mean, no. this is. Uh, I think he's. I think he's still very, very young. But you know, I think that that probably tells its own story. It's not like you've been you've been usurped and someone's nipped it and done a deal ahead of you. I mean, he's he's still there and he's not looking like moving in the next in the next six months. So yeah, it's it's just it's a strange one, really. Not to do Southampton a disservice, but there's being linked with Tottenham and possibly Barcelona, and then there's Southampton to go and partner Ricky Lambert up front. So, <laughs> well, they've got Jay Rodriguez. You know, he's good. He's got a fancy name. Yeah. He's well, he's well known in Brazil, probably. <laughs> um, I guess sort of going on to speculation and so on and so forth. Um, one name at Spurs were linked to quite, well, not heavily, but it was touched on quite a bit in the rumour mill, was Bernard. Um, I I can't claim to know that much about him, to be honest with you at all. I've been assured by several people that he's very good, but again, they're probably basing that on football manager. Um, can you shed a little light on, on this elusive Bernard for us? Yeah, he's, he's a good little player. He's very exciting. He... Um... You look at him on the field and he looks like he's just wandered in from the school playground. He's about <laughs> five foot high, got scruffy hair, shirt untucked, socks down to his ankles, breathing heavily. I mean, he looks, he kind of makes Paul Skulls look look like some kind of market trader or something. He's just absolute <laughs> little scruff bag, which is great to see. Um, he's having he's having a great time at Atletico Mineiro, which is you know, probably the probably the team of the season so far in Brazil. They've just they've just reached the Libertadores final, thanks to a goal from Bernard. Uh, he normally plays on the left of of kind of three men behind a striker. He and another guy called Diego Tardelli. They're very much they do the running of the team really. So they're they're nipping up up and back each flank, which gives Ronaldinho the, the space to kind of just wander around. So he's a player who works very hard, but he's also got a lot of technical abilities. A nice, nice little dribbler, very much a kind of, kind of the twinkle-toed stereotype of the Brazilian player. Really, that kind of player who's got a little bit of spark, a little bit of imagination. He's not the most physical player. In fact, is I think he is probably the kind of player who would would probably take some time to adapt to England. I mean, just comparing him to someone like. Oscar, I think Oscar is Oscar's not the heaviest and he's not the, the strongest, but he's kind of got that 
poised to him. He's, you know, he's fairly tall and he's kind of got that chest out style, whereas Bernard is slightly juvenile almost, looks kind of just like a, looks a little bit like a kid. So I think he's got a little bit of kind of physical development left to do. Um, but I think, yeah, I think he's he's a really nice player and I think a lot of teams will be will be looking at him. I'm sure he could, he could well go this summer when he said he's waiting till the Libertadores final, which takes place over two legs. That would be done in that be done in two or three weeks' time. So I think at that point you're going to see you're going to see quite a scramble for him. So like Dortmund have been the been the club most heavily linked because they they obviously need to replace little little Mario Goetze, and this guy is probably physically at least probably about as close as you get to that kind of little pint sized creator. Sounds pretty good. Um, I mean, is he? So he's like an attacking midfielder, is he? He's not like because I was sort of unaware as to whether he was a winger or an inside forward. Or yeah, I mean, funny, funnily, Brazil doesn't really have well the way the teams play at the moment. Brazil doesn't have a, a lot of natural wingers. Um, it's kind of it always used to be very very rigid four two 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 formations. So the width would always be provided by the fullbacks. That's kind of changing a little bit now, but you're not seeing kind of players who'll get to the byline and make a cross. Bernard's right-footed and he, he normally plays kind of cutting in from the left. But his game isn't really about dribbling down the touchline. It's more about making that kind of surging run past the forward for a, to get on the end of a through ball. So for extending that that theory of the, the 4-3-3, um, slotting Paulinho, he, he sounds like he could do a job in there with a on, on one of those... Those flank positions of the forward three, so it, it, the, almost the theory makes sense behind signing him. I mean, I, much like uh, Jack, I'd, I'd never really heard of him much before outside of the computer games and things. I mean, when me and Jack were discussing the running order earlier, he, he put Bernard, and I thought we were discussing charity work of Bernardos or something. <laughs> I, I wasn't entirely aware what we were going to be talking about, but the, my depth of knowledge goes as far as Wikipedia, and I'm slightly disgusted that he's about six days younger than I am, which makes me think that I'm never going to get to play for Tottenham. <laughs> um, but um, he sounds like, as I say, that the theory behind what we think AVB is building, which is all we can try and do is second-guess him, given who we're being linked to and, and the type of players we're buying. Uh, it does kind of, it, it makes sense. And hearing somebody like Jurgen Klopp's interested in him is, is good to hear because he's got a, a keen eye for a signing. I mean, who would you pick as someone to keep your eye on, though, Jack, in Brazilian football at the moment? If yeah, we're talking about Spurs or a, a Premiership club at least. Uh, let's have a think. Um, I think there's a guy at Flamengo called called Gabriel, who's a nice, uh, a good player to watch. He um, he joined Flamengo last season from Bahia, which is quite a, quite a small club where he did really well. Did kind of was one of the young players of the season in the in the end of season awards. He's kind of a kind of scrawny, kind of streetwise player who, you know, he's not perhaps the most naturally gifted, but he's really kind of knows how to use what he's got. He's a very clever player, finds nice spaces between the lines, kind of probably going to become the, the creative hub of that Flamengo team. Flamengo kind of like the most supported club in Brazil but they've kind of flitted from crisis to crisis in recent times and they just seem to be they seem to be building a young team around like the club's youth prospects um so he's not come through the youth system but he's he's fitting in very well with a few other young players and I think he's you know after maybe a year or so there I think he's probably going to be a player who's who's Europe bound I think he's a very very nice player to watch see that next because I guess there's that gap now because you know there's always been there used to be Ronaldinho there was Ronaldo before that we've got Neymar most recently um who you know who do you think is going to be that that could he fill that void as that name in Brazil that everyone sort of gets excited about um I'm not sure at the moment I think he's he's still kind of He's not perhaps the the star player that, that Neymar was. I mean, a lot of a lot of the excitement at the moment about the about the player who's going to replace Neymar is is taking place at Santos, his old club. They've actually got it's uh it's probably not as golden a generation as the one that's just been. So so Neymar had a great time 
mainly with um, Paolo Inki Ganso, whose, whose career has tailed off weirdly. But Santos have got about four or five young players now. One of them is called Neilton, who kind of looks like Neymar. He's got that same dribbling ability, cutting in from the left. They've got two more strikers, both of whom are like 16 and 17. One called Gabriel, one called uh, Victor Andrade. And Barcelona have really kind of bought the first right, first option to them. They've only kind of had two or three first team games each, but they look very talented. So there's there's almost a race within Santos for the guy who's going to replace Neymar as this as this very exciting figure. But because Neymar is is you know really the best player to come out of Brazil in in, in ten years, there's a realization that you know that that was a time when people really got to see a world-class player playing in Brazil for, for five years of his career. And that, that probably won't come, come around again immediately, unfortunately. I mean, do you, do you think they've got what it takes to win the World Cup, Brazil? I think if you'd have asked me that a month ago, I'd have said no. I, think, I don't think it's a squad that's got anywhere near the quality that, that Spain has. And I think the, the crowd could easily turn out to be a, a hindrance as much as a help. Having said that, watching you know watching how it went last month, kind of with the protest going on, they they really kind of channeled that that patriotism, really got behind the team, which kind of which inspired them to better things. I think, you know, I, I still would would have Spain as my favourites, but I think Brazil probably just the fact that they won that tournament have have a bit of belief. I, I'm sure they'll reach the semi final at least, and and then it would just be be a coin toss really I, I hope that they'll do well to kind of erase the memories of 1950 it's well because I mean you, you can see weaknesses in their team I mean there's a there's a few other teams you'd expect to do quite well like Argentina as well who if they had a defense you'd kind of say well you know they they could probably go for it as well but the home support did seem to do them quite well in the Confederations Cup at least aside for obviously the writing outside um, I was really quite surprised to see how ruthlessly they seem to dispatch Spain in the final as well. It was yeah, I think a lot a lot of Brazilians were surprised by that. I mean, <laughs> it, it was a it was a match that everyone really wanted to see. So, although it was you know a, a final of the tournament, there was a there was a survey conducted by their big sports paper the day before the match saying, well, sorry, no, the day before the the Spain semi final with Italy, saying who would you like to play in the final? And I think eighty five percent of people wanted to play Spain just because. Obviously, Spain have overtaken kind of everyone in the last in the last ten years at the top of world football. Yet they never played a big game against Brazil, so there was almost that feeling of well, go on then, show show how you can do it against us. Um, I don't think anyone could have dreamed about how Brazil took that Spain side apart. Obviously, Spain were, were a little bit tired; they had less rest than Brazil, and I'm sure they'll be back strongly next year. But just the fact that that happened with all those with all those mitigating factors will just give so much belief to that Brazil's, Brazil team. That's absolutely crazy. Okay, well, I guess we're getting towards the end. Raj, is there anything, is there anything you want to ask in particular? Um, just uh, past um, Brazilians, I think we've got Gomez and Gilberto. I think is Tottenham's only other um, foray into Brazil. I mean, Gilberto don't go well. I think he played like twice and then was gone again I think he was like substitute he scored once I know he scored once on like his first Premier League game um, but he was terrible he, I mean he was sold to us as this World Cup winning left back and he was fucking awful um, and Gomez is hit and missed I mean he's um, he's sublime and then he's ridiculous um, I mean is has he got any sort of perception in Brazil does anybody have any opinion of him because he's never really touched the national team. Yeah, I mean, he's one of those goalkeepers that, that left quite early in their careers and hasn't really got a lot of traction. So, that, you know, that's not just goalkeepers. That's true of a lot of players who kind of made their first professional steps in, in foreign countries. So a good example of that would be from the Confederations Cup, Hulk. So Hulk's kind of had a lot of, a lot of criticism from Brazilians who really didn't see what he was about because... They didn't see him a lot at club level. So obviously a lot of Brazilian players end up playing in Europe, but their first two, three years of their careers is when they when they get to build a kind of support base. 
Hulk didn't have that and it took him a long, long time to, to win over those fans, which I think he did manage this summer. Um, but Heredia Gomez, I don't think he's, you know, I don't think he's looked at a lot of Brazilians, probably the same as um, another similar similar kind of career, Helton of, of Porto, kind of good servants for clubs in Europe, for, for good size in Europe, but not really in that in that national team picture. Contextualising that, it's like um, Owen Hargreaves when he um, Sven picked him for England. Nobody really knew what he was about because he he was pretty much German when we picked him. He was um, played was it Bayern Munich, wasn't he? Yeah. He played for for all them years. And when he came into the England side, he was almost undroppable. After that, he was he was fantastic. And then now, unfortunately, he's, he's held together with blue tack and sellotape <laughs> and with the same people that are holding Ledley King together. He's he seems to have been to that unfortunate injury path, but. Um, I think that's almost a similar sort of situation where the the domestic league hasn't really played much um, much part in their career, so the domestic fans of their nation don't really get much of an idea about the player that's themselves. That's it, yeah. Fantastic. Right, well, thanks so much for giving us your time today, Jack. It's been very informative. Um, no worries. If you want to listen to previous episodes of Rule the Roost, you can do so at spursstatman.com. Um, we've also got a Twitter feed now, um, which is at RTRSSM. Um, so yeah, thanks everyone for listening and, uh, yeah, we'll see you soon. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.